We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Plenty going on around the world of the NBA today. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, we continue to count down to the World Cup just days away. That's going to be fun. The NBA certainly keeping us busy in the in the meantime. This is going to be like, well, unless you're a huge baseball fan, like sports nirvana coming up here because we're going to have the NBA going, the World Cup going. And we still have NFL football. Yeah, and then you got college football coming down the stretch too. Correct. They, they're there in their final week, so yeah, absolutely, lots of stuff uh, happening around the world of sports. But we we got a good amount of for weirdly for a uh, uh, you know midweek in the NBA with nothing special going on. There's just quite a few storylines out there, so I'm excited to dive into them. Yeah, let, let's start with the defending champs, uh, Steve Kerr had some comments on the Warriors' longevity in terms of this incarnation. I think we can, we tend to just think of the Warriors as it's Steph and Clay and Draymond, and it's always going to be that way. And Steve Kerr says, yeah, not, not so much. In fact, the shelf life of this team may not be all that long here. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on his comments and where the Warriors are at? Yeah, I, I, I think he's being very realistic. I think Steve Kerr, you know, had firsthand experience as we all, uh, you know, imagine if you're watching this show, you watched Last Dance. So we all mm-hmm. saw he was part of that Bulls team as they they kind of came to an end. And I think for him with uh, with the, this Warriors group, I think he realizes, hey, we're pretty good still, but Steph is getting older. Clay is getting older. Clay's more injury prone than Denny Pryor was um, in his career. Uh, Draymond, who knows what happens there. And then it just gets, you know, could all kind of get squirrely uh, on them very quickly. So he, he wasn't by any means saying it's over today. Uh, he, mm-hmm. you know, kind of said, you know, this year, next year, and we'll, we'll see, you know, from, from there. But I think he's just, you know, trying to tell people like, Hey, enjoy it while you can. Cause at some point th- this run will come to an end. And, and when it does, then, you know, who knows what that next iteration looks like. So the Warriors right now sitting in 11th in the Western Conference. Now, again, it's early when you expect a lot of movement in the standings right now. But uh, they are 6-1 and one at home, 0-7 oh on the road. So not a good road team currently. Do you think any part of this could be Steve Kerr? Because I've seen a little bit of buzz within, you know, Warriors fan circles and things like that about this team needs to make a trade. Uh, could that be Steve Kerr adding a little bit of, of urgency? Like, hey, the clock's kind of ticking we may need to make some moves here before the trade deadline. 
Yeah, it could could be. You know, that's certainly possible. You may be kind of saying like, like, hey, if we want to keep the good times rolling and you know, hang hang another banner, yeah, you know, we we might need a little little extra reinforcements here. And I, like I said yesterday, I I think James Wiseman is probably time ashore with, with this team unless he goes down there, dominates this G League assignment, and then comes back a different player, which is not really fair to expect of him or you know for any reason. I I I think we could be kind of getting down towards the end uh, of, uh, you know, time with him. And then that starts to mean trades come. So, yeah, I'm not going to say Steve Kerr. I think Steve Kerr and Bob Myers have been together long enough that he would just go tell him if like, okay, we need to make a trade. But I I do think that there there's maybe he's setting up the collective of the Warriors for like, hey, we might need to do a little something here, you know, if we want to keep this thing moving. Right, right. All right, Keith, I, I need to uh, gleefully dust something off here. <laughs> Fire. Fire! Oh, the I Kevin love it. Cannon. <laughs> I thought old... we were done with the Kevin Cannon, and here it comes. <laughs> it is back, back from the grave. The Kevin Cannon has returned. I love uh, it. Ke- Kevin Durant got to talk a little bit about it. And by the way, that, that Home Alone Kevin at the end is all the more appropriate as we get closer and closer to, uh, to Christmas. Yeah. Um, Kevin Durant talks uh, his, talks about his trade demand and what that was all about. Spoke quite a bit about the Nets. Spoke ca- candidly after their loss to the Kings as well about the quality of their starting lineup kind of took some shots at his teammates. I felt like a uh, bit, yeah. it, he, he had a lot, a lot to say. So out of all the stuff Kevin Durant said, where do you, where do you want to start? I I mean, I, I think, right. And we're piecing together two separate articles right. or interviews, conversations, whatever you want to be. I believe one was with, um, I know one was with Chris Haynes of Bleacher yep. Report. Uh, that's going to take a little bit of getting used to after the last few years. Um, and then I think it was Mark Spears of, of Anscape was the other one. Um, part of this, why some people have said, why now? Well, he was in Sacramento. So it was, that's where these guys are quite often located is up uh, in Northern California. So that's why I think they were able to get with him at that point. I don't think it was anything more than that. I think people are reading into things a little bit. And there's another story we'll talk about in another uh, couple minutes here that I think is also related by where the nets were. Um, I think with, with Durant, I, I very much appreciate that he's being, uh, honest and candid about, you know, Hey, here's why I asked for a trade. You know, I I didn't think things were going in the direction I liked. Um, so I, I, I I think to think that's good. I I think that the timing was a little weird on his part. Um, I get why the reporters would have wanted to have the conversation, but I think Duran also realizes like, Hey, I'm not going to say anything super controversial here, right? Like I'm, I'm going to kind of, you know, clear some stuff up from, from the summertime and uh, up till now and go from there. So I I didn't have any issue with any of the things that he said. It's not like he said, he he mentioned, well, you know, my trade demand for the summer. And then everybody went, (laughs) what? Yeah. What trade demand? Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> so he he mentioned, yeah, he didn't like the way that things were, were being prepared or the way they were preparing. And um, he said also that he that that's not true under Jacques Vaughn, though, that he's very mm-hmm. happy with the situation now and confident and, and all that kind of stuff. It sounded like, you know, as much as, oh, my gosh, Kevin Durant said stuff. It wasn't anything that sounded like Kevin Durant is asking out of Brooklyn. In fact, it was no. to the contrary. It sounds like 
he really wants to give this a shot here. Uh, the Nets right now, just six and nine on the season, suffered a, a bad loss to the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, um, really bad. Really bad. <laughs> and we can talk about destroyed, run off the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So that was not great. Um, you're still missing Kyrie. You've got issues going on with Ben Simmons. And so like with all of this kind of stuff swirling, it would be fair for people to ask like, well, <laughs> does KD want out again? Is he just going to you know, resume that trade request at some point? And I think this was him kind of getting ahead of it and saying, no, that's, uh, you know, I'm good right now. It's, it was more about our preparation. I even thought it was, it was kind of interesting towards the end of, I'm mixing up the articles at this point, but towards the end of one of them, he was talking about how people look at his legacy as championships. And he said, he said, no, his legacy is the work that he's done with other players, with younger players that have come into the NBA. His legacy is the stuff he's done with, with those guys. His legacy is, um, you know, competing night in and night out. And all the, he went on this, this nice, I don't want to say a rant, but a nice explanation for how he mm -hmm. views things compared to how other people view things in terms of it's championship or bust. And if you don't win a title, then that's always hanging over you. And obviously he's won, a won titles before, but um, I thought that was cool getting his perspective about what he, how he sees his legacy and why if he doesn't win a championship, he doesn't believe that's going to negatively impact his, his uh, legacy in this game. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate with Kevin Durant. I didn't always have, I think he really is truly like married to the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's a lot of stuff outside of basketball that, that necessarily matters to him. I, I think it got taken a little bit sideways when he said about Kyrie, I wish we could have just kind of kept it all quiet. I don't think he was saying like hide what Kyrie said. I think it was more of like, just, I don't, like, what are we doing? Like, let's just play basketball. Like, I think mm -hmm. for him, that's what he said. You know, he's obviously right. He's famous because he goes at people on Twitter. But what gets missed is every night he's not playing. He's on Twitter tweeting about games, interacting with people about stuff that happens in games and those kind of things. And every once in a while, you know, somebody says something dumb. Um, uh, you know, the one place Kevin Durant and I are alike is people upset me on Twitter too. And, and he claps back as do I, but I think it's, um, you know, I, I think he is very much like, Hey, let's just do this. And, and I always thought, I, I, we, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show. I always thought it was very unfair. The criticism he got about going to the warriors when we yeah. live in the, the rings culture, right. Of like, you got to win a ring or it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And it turns into, Right. Otherwise, you become Charles Barkley, you know, one of the best players ever, never won a title. Well, if you You're want right. to remove that last part, I don't fault the player for going to do it. Right. And and he didn't do it as a, you know, uh, catching on, you know, in year 20 of my career. And I'm just riding the bench, you know, on a really good team. I mean, he was a huge part of it. And I, I always thought that was a little silly. I think, you know, then it becomes for me, the conversation turned into. So you wanted him to win a title in the way you wanted him to win the title. Like you, yeah. you, you want to erase that, but not, you know, by going to the warriors and you know, whatever. I mean, if we're going to judge these guys on how many rings did you win? Well, then go get them however you can get them. Um, but back to all this, I, I thought where I'll circle back around to my initial part of this point was he said the trade request was just about basketball. That's all it was about. 
It was like, I didn't like where we we're going. Uh, roster wise, I thought everything was kind of going sideways and I wanted out. I, I think he wants to be where he wants to be. And then he was very clear with Mark uh, Spears of, I love the people who are here now. Like, I mm-hmm. like where we're at now. Um, you know, I, I like what we've done, you know, to add people. He's obviously between both pieces made it clear he's happy with Jock Vaughn. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if that continues, if things keep not going great on the court and they're not winning as much. But sure. yeah, for now, I think, you know, I, I think he really is, you know, in a good place basketball wise. Yeah, I think what he said takes some pressure off of the Nets organization from, you know, because that was the was the question. Every time they lose, is that going to be it? Is Kevin yeah. Durant going to ask, ask for a trade yeah. now? And and him saying all of this stuff pushes back and kind of just it takes even if they weren't feeling that burden internally, it takes the external pressure of mm-hmm. always being asked that question. It, it, it does a little bit to remove that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, one thing, because I don't think we put it on the show, and I only uh-huh. just saw this, um, on the Kyrie Irving front, uh, Woj said earlier today um, that he has made progress on that list of things the Nets gave him to do. And mm-hmm. basically he said, I think when the Nets get off this road trip, head back east, you'll start to see more of a timetable for him to return. And that's kind of been the assumption I've had is it's always hard, whether it's this situation or a player coming back from injury to reintegrate a guy who hasn't been with the team while they're in the middle of a road trip. Um, So I've always kind of looked at it as, all right, probably by the time they get back to Brooklyn, that's when we'll see him again. So it'll mean he'll have missed. I think it's going to be about 10 or 11 games at that point. But that's that's what I'm thinking is probably uh, that's when we see him back with the Nets. All right. Well, good update there. Uh, Also got word that the Nets are frustrated with Ben Simmons. Uh, There was a piece Mm -hmm. in The Athletic all about this and you know Simmons talked a bit about all of his struggles the thing he's thinks he's gone through with his back uh now with his knee bugging him and he's getting his knee drained and now he's basically been turned into a backup center for the team behind Nick Claxton uh, things not working out the way the Nets wanted I know recently I don't remember if it was yesterday his show or not we talked about his trade value and how the Mavs weren't going to be interested in a trade or anything it, it just seems like Ben Simmons can't quite get his career on track the way he wants to And this article did a lot to illuminate some of the physical ailments that have been preventing him to a degree from from doing that. Of course, we know the mental health concerns as well. But the Nets also are in a spot where they've got to win basketball games. And so there's starting to become some frustration that may have boiled over a little bit in a a players only meeting. So a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I I think much like we talked about for the entirety of last season, when he didn't play, it's a 30 plus million dollar salary hole that you just can't you you can't have and be a good team. It's almost impossible, right? To to have a guy out that makes that much money, that big of a percentage of your salary cap, and then still be good. So I think when he misses time, the challenge for the Nets is where do we go because we built the roster designed around we will have Ben Simmons and then when he's not playing or he's not playing up to par because that was another source of their frustration mm-hmm. when he does play he's not playing well um is you know, where we at now it's funny because I saw again you know why did this come out when it came out well this was authored by Sam Amick and Sham Sharania and Sam I believe unless I'm wrong is still located in Northern California again where the Nets have been so it's you know they're there they had a chance to talk to him likely in person and they got got you know some really good stuff from him again i thought very open and candid about you know hey my knee was a mess i had to get it drained 
Um, you know, I had, I had extra fluid in there and they, they had to get, you know, some of that extra blood out of there mm-hmm. and those kind of things. He talked about a lot of the stuff he's gone through. So I, it, it's tough because I think people who don't like him are going to continue to be like, man, this guy's just stealing money. He doesn't really want to play. Right. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm so hesitant to ever put that on a guy because it does seem like he's doing what he has to do to get back. I just, I don't know that we're ever going to see the Ben Simmons we saw in his first couple of years in Philly, where it's like, wow, this guy is a dominant, you know, defensive player of the year level defender yep. who can also be a top tier playmaker. I just don't know that we're going to see that again. I, I don't know that that's in there, you know, whether it be for, you know, his uh, makeup on the court uh, physically or mentally that, you know, he, he clearly doesn't really seem to want to drive and shoot um, the ball. He doesn't want to do any of that stuff. Um, defensively does seem a step slow, you know, and now we've got a pretty lengthy injury history too, to go with it. So I, I don't know that we're ever going to get that Ben Simmons again. Oh, you even you even go back uh, for randomly. I watched his first summer league game, like uh, ever, right? Against yeah, um, Jason Tatum. Yeah, and it just it looks so different. It yeah. looks, so, I mean, he looks so, he looks like a completely different player. Mm-hmm. He was. I remember we were all going crazy because he was actually hitting mid range jumpers, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh! It, it, I mean, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's I hope hope he's able to get things on track and figure everything out. Yeah. Um, and physically, he's able to, you know, obviously his knee issue is not good. I think that's part of it, too. These physical ailments are preventing mm-hmm. him from doing some of the things that he would like to, like to do out there. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of physical ailments, Isaiah Stewart out two to three weeks with a toe sprain. Not good. I mean, not the worst thing. We've had worse injury news certainly come up, but not, not good for, for Isaiah Stewart and the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, another young guy out for them. Kate Cunningham is out, yeah. uh, you know, probably at least another couple of games with, with uh, his injury situation. Now you've got Stewart out. Um, they did just get Marvin Bagley back, so they're covered. What I got to wonder now with Stewart is they had actually moved Sadiq Bay to the bench for their last game um, mm-hmm. because they wanted to get Marvin Bagley in the starting group. I guess as they go back to Sadiq Bay in the starting group over Stewart, I wonder, does it become hard for Isaiah Stewart to reclaim that starting spot? I have long thought his best role on a really good team is probably a 20 to 25 minute big who comes off your bench, flying around, playing with a ton of energy. Think early career Montrez Harrell. Sure. Right. Just, you know, really out there. And it just becomes one of those guys where it's like, man, we can't, we can't keep this guy off the boards. He's just everywhere. I've always thought that's where Isaiah Stewart, 
you know, best role would be in the league. I think he's a little miscast as a starting, uh, you know, whether it be center or power forward. He's shooting more, kind of a little bit better. The form looks okay uh, on the shot, so we'll see what that looks like. But, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm uh, – you know, sold that he should be a starter. So maybe this starts to transition the Pistons into, hey, we're going to bring you off the bench and you know, you're still going to be a big part of the team. You're still going to play a ton, but but let's go. Well, here's my question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Why do NBA injuries come in waves? Like two big toe sprains back-to-back days for two, you know, fun right? young players? Like, like what, why does this happen? It, it's it's weird when it's the same injury. Like, I mean, the like, same like injury. On, yeah. on the Lakers, we have two guys out with thumb surgery. Yeah. What like, is, yeah. What, how does that how, happen? How is yeah. this? How is this a, I'm wrestling in, and they got too aggressive. The, <laughs> the injury room? bug is just like laughing somewhere, right? Like just, right. I, I think the injury bug has just decimated teams for so many years at this point that it's just, that it's gotten bored. And so it has to get creative. And yeah. so that's why, that's why this or, is happening. So yeah. It's just pressing like repeat on the thing, you know, <laughs> just, you know, assign random name and repeat the injury. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to know. I want, I can't wait for the 30 for 30 about how the thumb wrestling got out of control in the Lakers locker room. And yeah. We're going to, we're going to hear all about that. It's going to be a, a famous story. That's going to, it's going to come out about an epic thumb wrestling battle. You know, <laughs> uh, at, at one point, Dennis Schroeder took the baseball cap he was wearing and he turned it backwards. Turned it oh man. Yeah. He went over the top. Love it. <laughs> that's, right. that's a great movie. <laughs> That is, watched that movie a lot as a kid. That is a great bad movie. It is, now it people is are fantastic. what are they talking about now? It's it was the eighties, folks. Mm-hmm. It was the eighties. Yeah. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, um, let's talk a little bit about your Celtics. Yaka Pertle potentially in their sights. Uh, Robert Williams. How? What's the confidence level around around Boston right now about Robert Williams, his ability to return, and is that driving potential interest in in Yaka Pertle, according to Brian Windhorst? Yeah, I don't think that's driving the Pirtle interest. I, I okay. think they feel pretty good that Williams is going to be back. Probably, I keep saying Christmas-ish, like somewhere in that range. He's traveling with the team on some of these road trips, which is generally a really good sign. Um, You don't usually see a player go on road trips unless they're getting close because they'd prefer just stay home, rehab, do, do your work. So um, he said the other day, the media had a chance to talk to him, and he said, um doing everything. I'm even dunking again. So I think it's just now it's, let's build up the conditioning. Let's continue to build up strength and and make sure when we get you back. But I think what they would like to do is I think they realize part of what might've caused his injury was he was pushed to playing a career high in games and minutes last year. And I think they may be very now conscious of, you know, what Robert Williams might be one of those guys who, play 60 games a year and play 28 minutes a game and you have the kind of dominant force like he was turning into because remember there was a lot of push for him to maybe be defensive player of the year last year that's how good he was on that end of the floor versus hey let's really try to get 75 80 games out of this guy at 32 35 minutes a night i just don't think that's ever going to happen but in order to do that you need to have a really good backup so i think they're looking at it as hey Jakob pertle makes relatively little money um, for all things considered right now. He's about $9 million, I believe. Um, So that makes him a very easy trade candidate uh, to go get from salary matching standpoint. And I think Boston is showing under Brad Stevens. Yeah. This is not Danny Ainge where I get to hoard every draft pick, you know, like the leprechaun hoards his pot of gold. It's I'll trade these away, right. I'll, I'll move them along. So I I think, uh, you know, Stevens has a different approach to, to, to that probably somewhat of the coach approach, right. Of, Hey, get me guys. Now get me guys who can play today. And I think that's what they're looking at. Also, last thing I'll say, 
Al Horford's a free agent at the end of the season. Now he just came out and said he he uh, spoke with Steve Pulpet, um, who's been a Boston covering the Celtics for a million years. Now he works for Heavy. Um, Al said, "Yeah, you know, I think I could play maybe two or three more years," mm-hmm. um, and he's still playing pretty good. But I think they're looking at it as Horford's aging. Robert Williams has injury issues. If we can can grab a guy, let's get a guy. But let's be very clear: this was kind of Brian Windhorse doing the. Hey, I'm not reporting, but, you know, just saying, you know, maybe Jakob Pertl to the Celtics. Now, why whenever, would they do that? <laughs> exactly. Whenever he does that, man, that perks my ears up because I'm kind of like, you're not just throwing it out there just to randomly throw it. He's not you and I, right, who, like, we'll speculate. I, I, sure. right, we made up a fake trade on the air the other day. Like, you know, he's the, he doesn't do that. So whenever he says those kind of things, he's like, I'm not reporting, but. And it's like, you're reporting it, but, like, okay, cool. So so we'll see. It'll be something to keep an eye on. Keith, you're the the mental image I had of Danny Ainge hoarding over these draft. I had I had Danny Ainge doing Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin smile, nice. like clutching his hands together over this black cauldron of draft picks and just cackling <laughs> maniacally. And that's I, I don't know how close to accurate it is, but sometimes it feels that way. I stayed in the 1980s with the movie Leprechaun, and I don't know if you ever saw the movie. I did. Hey, Leprechaun. Ha! <laughs> he's like, he'll get a spot of gold, and he's yeah. It's a very, very bad 80s horror movie. So uh, more to come is, on Keith is... and Trevor talk bad 80s movies here. That's uh, right. That's yeah. right. We're just dating ourselves a little bit, yeah. but that's a that's a right. Okay. <laughs> a bunch okay. of people are like, "What are movies? Right? Like, the, what are you guys talking about? Oh, I watch 80s. everything in bite-sized 30-second clips on TikTok." That's right. That's all anybody does now. You don't want you don't watch full full movies or anything like that because uh, you know it's not it's not morning in America anymore like it was back in the in the eighties. Point. <laughs> oh, um, the Knicks to finish things out. Knicks uh, drop Evan Fournier, Quentin Grimes from their rotation. Uh, the Knicks have had a little bit of frustration. They had a mm-hmm. players only meeting and and all of that stuff. I uh, believe they got a win last night. They did. If I remember correctly, in Utah. Yeah, which and now that's three losses in a row, I believe, for for the Jazz. Yep. Um, I don't know what that's going to mean for them. I think they've already won too much to you know fully go into tank mode or anything like that. But nevertheless, the Knicks uh, dropping Fournier and Grimes in their rotation is that surprising to you? A little bit more on the Quentin Grimes part, um, maybe kind of oddly, just considering Fournier is obviously the higher paid and more established player. But Quentin Grimes was a guy who. Remember, we had a lot of reporting and it came from both sides, both Utah and New York, that they were like, nope, he will not be a part of any Donovan Mitchell trade talks. He's off limits. We're going to keep him. And I get it. He's working his way back from an injury. So maybe this is a, more of a temporary thing. Like, yeah, we we're playing him, but he's really not ready mm-hmm. yet. So, you know, we're just going to drop him, put take that pressure off, really let him get ready and go. Um, the Fournier one. Yeah, I we'll see if that really ends up mattering or not. I, I think I think there's a chance it, it you know won't matter for the Knicks. I think what probably happens is much like when he finished up in Orlando, some team's gonna need a wing shooter, a guy who can do a little bit with the ball in his hands, guy who can just kind of put him in your rotation, be okay by the trade deadline, and the Knicks probably move on from him. Because uh, mm-hmm. the reality is, even 
without dropping these two guys, their rotation was a little overstuffed at the guard wing position. They just had, you know, one guy too many. So now you can, you know, get Grimes work back in there eventually. But I do think Fournier probably gets moved on from at some point. And I know people are like, I don't know, that contract's so big. It's 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 not so big that a team, you know, that has has championship aspirations that needs a wing wouldn't take him on. Yeah, I mean it would be it would be there. It could be easier to move, but it's not impossible either mm-hmm. to to move that deal if they if they decide to. Particularly no, if he no, if he's no. shooting well from the outside, that's gonna you know only help to further increase his value. Yeah, and that and that's the the thing. I mean, he still is he he slumped a little bit this year, but he got removed from the starting group. They went with Cam Reddish, which has proven to be the right call. Reddish is playing the best basketball he's ever played uh, in the NBA. But you know, Fournier he's got eighteen million this year, eighteen point eight million the year after. But that last year, it's nineteen million, but it's a team option. So you're really talking. He's got eighteen and eighteen you know, point eight next year. So you're, you're, you're in a position where you can really get off that deal very easily if you need to, mm-hmm. um, if you're the Knicks and, and, you know, again, some team come February is going to need uh wing depth. It's one of the, one of the things we know every year teams are, are right, wing wings that can shoot and Fournier can at least do that. So they, I, I think the Knicks have every opportunity to move him if they want to, um, you know, and we'll see. They're not going to get a great return. It'll probably be no. kind of like what Boston gave up a couple seconds. Maybe you could get a you know semi-interesting young player in there, and you'll probably have to take back a contract that's big but expiring or something like that. But, yeah, I, I think there's a chance we see him get moved on from. All right. Well, I think that about does it for today's show. Appreciate everybody joining us. Make sure you do subscribe to the YouTube channel here. And if you're listening to the podcast version of the show, make sure that you are following us on Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com